think I turned this thing on. I did. So what I'm going to endeavor to do here, um, usually when I go and present at different places, it's kind of like a refresher for people, and they already know what camp's all about. Uh, so I said, okay, how do I do that here? Um, if you have no idea what camp's about. Uh, so just going to show a video, and then uh, just a presentation of who's there and kind of what the place looks like, and <clears throat> but the ultimate goal is to give to you kind of the, the vision and the heart of, of the ministry, what it's there for, what we're trying to do, what's the point. Uh, so that's what we're going to try to do. Uh, but Ethan's going to show us a video here in a minute, uh, which is a not necessarily our promotional video that we'll show at a, at a church or things usually, but this is the uh, a week in review video. So every week there's a guy or two usually that will... That's pretty cool. Uh, like, what is that noise? <laughs> There's a guy or two that will uh, just video through the week and put it together, and the, the ones, the campers that come like to look through those, and uh, it's a lot of fun, especially at the end of the week to just go through some highlights and things. But this will uh, kind of give you a better idea of what goes on, what a week looks like, J just a little glimpse. You have, to, you have to be there and experience one to, to really get it, but... Just a, just a little glimpse in this video. It's six or seven minutes long, I think. <clears throat> but what it looks like, what goes on. Um, at, the end of each, at the end of each week, the evangelist that preached that week, he'll give a little summary of the topics he covered, what he preached about. And for this week, I believe, was uh, Will Geisman. Um, and he's, you'll hear him at the end talk about just through some of the things he preached on and so forth. Um, and if I remember correctly, I might get the week wrong. But you'll see in this video a guy, maybe I shouldn't say this until afterwards, in case it's the wrong week. I'll say it anyway. Uh, either week one or week two, there was a guy that came named Desperado. And uh, I looked through the list before he got there, and it says Desperado Bar or something like that. And uh, like, that's an interesting name. Should be an interesting guy. And he shows up, and he's a, he's a shorter guy with hair like everywhere. Um, and this is the guy kind of like Gideon. I don't think he'd taken a bath in like two weeks. Just way out there. He could hardly see. He was legally blind, but he didn't wear glasses because he didn't like how they looked. And he would run into stuff and just crazy. But this, this guy came from, or comes from, <clears throat> a home. Uh, people have been murdered in his house. Torn up family, drugs, all kinds of stuff. Just a really rough, rough background. Rough guy. Um, and he came and got saved that week, uh, just through all that. And um, another guy was there this week, the same week as Desperado. I'm pretty sure it's week two. But he lived in the backwoods somewhere up, up in northern Pennsylvania, which is pretty mountainous, not like out west mountains, but still mountainous. Um, lived in a little, like half of a single wide trailer that somebody dumped on the side of the mountain with his mom, so he doesn't really live anywhere. But he has this friend that he goes to school with, and he said he wanted to come to camp because he knew at camp they had the Bible, and so he could learn how to get saved. And we said, well, why didn't you go to a church or anything? Um, he said, well, the church isn't in the woods, and I'm from the woods, so I have to go to the woods. So he had some skewed logic, but I think he's in this, in this video as well. But um, anyway, Ethan, show the video, and I'll give you a little bit just kind of what goes on.
of camp has come and gone, but the spiritual decisions made this week, I pray, will last for a very long time. We began on Monday night with the theme of, for to me to live is Christ. All of our lives need to be wrapped up in Jesus, and so we must develop a deep love for him because we live what we love. If our life is going to be about Jesus, then we have to deal with self and sin, and many of you have humbled yourselves and addressed specific sins this week. That's wonderful. But let me encourage you that after you leave this place, that habit needs to continue as the Spirit of God shows you other areas in your life that are not right. Always have a tender and humble heart and be quick to say yes to God and whatever He asks you to do. We talked about how it's God's grace that will enable us to keep following after Christ, making us holy and giving us strength through hard times. And then our life should be about Jesus because He's the only one who is worthy. Friends, it's been a fantastic week. You've played a lot of fun games, had a lot of great food, and made some new friends. Cherish it. Be thankful for it. Tell others about it. But don't forget, God wants to continue to work. So be open to Him. Seek Him in His Word and through prayer. Keep looking to Jesus, because He's the answer to whatever need you have. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. Jesus is so much better, young person. His beauty in person can never be exhausted, so keep falling in love with Him. Wherever God takes you in life, through good times or bad times, may you always be able to say, for to me to live is Christ. So there's a little glimpse of, maybe we'll turn the lights on. We'll turn the lights on. 
there's just a little glimpse of kind of what happens during a week. Um, again, it's bits and pieces and here and there. Um, but just a, a little glimpse into it. And yes, Desperado was in that one. Um, but that's a week. That's a, that's a week in review. Um, and that's some of the things that go on. I think I'll, I'll run through the, some of the slides I have here, and then I'll try to just talk a little bit on what's the point, what's the vision, what's the purpose. Uh, but I'll try to give you a little, <clears throat> a little better understanding of the camp itself. So it's in uh, central Pennsylvania, and Paul told me just now, I guess his grandmother lives on Lake Old Erie Pike Road, somewhere like that. I've been there. <laughs> so um, I'm her neighbor, I guess. Uh, it's in central Pennsylvania, so you take a map of Pennsylvania and stick your finger right in the middle, it's on the left side of your finger, depending on the map and the size of your finger. But um, <laughs> it's in the town of Ramey, which you haven't heard of. There's more people in the cemetery than there are in the town. Um, middle of nowhere, kind of. Uh, not, not, too, not too bad, but uh, so it's out there. Um, it's 215 acres, uh, beautiful property, and I'll kind of go through the story of, of how they got it and everything. Uh, it started 20 years ago. Uh, this last summer was the 20th year, and basically through the, the vision and uh, desire and uh, leading through uh, Jim Fry is his name. And basically, I'll try to pull this up. Ethan, is this up there? It is, cool. Uh, basically, that's them. Uh, he is 68 or 69, I believe. And about 25 years ago, I think the story goes, he was diagnosed with uh, cancer of one form or another. And the doctors told him, you have about 10 years to live. We'll, get, we'll give you 10 years and be generous. So he said, OK, thank you. And, um, they had already been active in their church and, and different things. And <clears throat> um, he said, you know, I, I really feel burdened that I should do something more um, with the 10 years I have left. If, if I have five, six, seven, 10 years, um, I want that to be profitable. You know, God's given me that time. I want to use it. He had a business um, selling and servicing uh, milk parlor equipment uh, in southern Pennsylvania uh, with all the, the dairy farms stuff down there. So a, a fairly profitable business. So he sold the business um, and some of the other, other holdings that he had. So now I have a chunk of money, and uh, through different, different members that, that are actually on the board now, I uh, said, hey, you should, you should look into uh, starting a camp. Uh, his church had gone to other camps and so forth, but uh, just for different reasons, weren't, wasn't necessarily a good situation in any of them. And so they wanted a camp that you know, they could send their kids to that would be solid, reliable, and uh, something that nobody was really doing in their, <clears throat> that area of Pennsylvania. So he said, okay. And they started looking into uh, starting a camp. And they rented a property the first year and had like 20 kids or something like that. Um, continued to grow. And this was down in southern Pennsylvania and Lancaster area and uh, York County and places like that. Uh, they rented a property for about, I think it's nine years um, in different different tra drama and trauma went on with the one property and, and different, different people and fighting for control of the property. And long story short, they lost the ability to rent that facility. Great facility, but, but they lost it. Uh, so they began looking and, and uh, said, hey, we really need a property. We're, we, need to, we have some money. We're going to look into purchasing a property. And if he was here, he'd spend about four hours telling you all the different stories um, about how they got the property we have now and, and different things. But again, long story short, um, we ended up at this property here. Um, through really miracles, really, um, about 10 years ago. So I've been on that property for 10 years. And uh, some of the challenges that went on with the property were <coughs> um, purchased the property, but they were not allowed to bring water, sewer, electric into the property because of a... Uh, exceptional value wetlands. Go figure. Um, we still mess with that quite a bit. In fact, where the, we saw the zip line in the video. Right next to where the zip line runs, there's like a 20-foot swath that's exceptional value wetlands. So we can't like do stuff in there. Cut trees and whatever. You may or may not have done that. But um, <clears throat> it just, it's a continual drama with that. But anyway, so they purchased the property, then learned, couldn't bring utilities on the property, that's kind of a downer. Uh, so they ran out of shower tents and brought water in and tanks and drums and 
just made do. And it was great, I'm sure. Um, through different events and things, there was a, they discovered about a 16-foot swath on the edge of the property where somebody about 100 years ago hadn't graded the rail bed right, and so it was too high. And so it wasn't exceptional value wetlands. So that's where our utilities are, because uh, God had somebody screw up with the dozer and make it too high. So it makes me feel better after I get done doing something like that. So God might use this in 100 years, because I messed up. <laughs> but um, anyway. <laughs> so that's uh, a little story about utilities. What else about the property? Uh, just a blessing that it's there, and, and we have that there. And just every, every little piece of the property, he can point to something um, and say, God did this here and that there. And, uh, so it, it truly is a blessing, but um, anyway, that's Jim and Fry. Jim has, once again, he's developed another cancer, um, different type, pretty aggressive. Uh, they caught it a little late in the stages, too. Uh, so he had some surgery and different things. He hasn't had to do chemo, uh, things like that yet. <clears throat> uh, but he is, he's pretty weak. Um, he's really had to back off on what he can do. Uh, and the doctor said, you, this is last year, you might have a year, six months, two years, and he's still doing great. So we figure if the doctor told him two years, he'll have at least 16. Um, but uh, there's some, some transitioning that's happening possibly, and uh, one of the reasons I'm there now is most of the things he used to do, uh, he's no longer able to do. So I, I've stepped in and I do some of that, uh, those things. But anyway, he's the director, and... Uh, Will be until we get another one. There is, uh, it's a very, very detailed search to come up with the right guy to come in to be the director. Um, we have enough trouble getting counselors that we approve of, much less um, a director he approves of, but uh, we're trusting that God will, will bring that, the right people at the right time, but until then, he's the, he's the director. He's a, he really is a blessing. He's a blessing to me in my life. Um, and even just to the kids. He's, like I said, he's 68 or 69. Um, but he says, I don't want to go out with old people. Old people are boring. So uh, he might as well be a teenager sometimes. But he is a blessing. A lot of people look up to him as uh, he's the kind of person that um, is who he talks about, is who he says he is, wants to be um, genuine sort of guy. So um, he's the director. And then Mrs. Fry does most of the, if not all of, <laughs> Uh, the food stuff and preparation and is in charge of that side of things, um, which that's why I'm there is the food. <laughs> um, they do a good job with that. And then this is uh, the crepes. We call them Crepes Incorporated. That's Matt and Rochelle and company, the midgets. Uh, Matt is in charge over the, the buildings and the grounds and anything property related. Uh, that's, his, that's his thing, sort of what like... Um, Paul Stevens used to be back there uh, at Camp Joy. He knows what that's all about, but uh, that's Matt's thing. Uh, Matt supports himself with a uh, home improvement business, remodeling and things like that uh, in the off-season. And they've been involved in camp since, since the beginning. Uh, Rochelle Crape is the Fry's daughter, so Matt's a son-in-law. Uh, but uh, Matt's pretty involved in everything. Rochelle is as well, uh, where she can around the kids and things. Um, but one of, Matt's, one of Matt's strengths is other than, well, he's a, he has a degrees in engineering, mechanical engineering, electric engineering and stuff, but he, he chooses to do this. Uh, so he's way, way smarter than me. And he'll start explaining something, and I just stand there like that. And he says, you don't get it, do you? No, I don't get it. Okay. And then he'll draw it out for me, and I still don't get it. But <clears throat> anyway, uh, some of their strengths and what they really add to the whole picture is Matt and Michelle both are very good at uh, mentoring and, and just being real with people and helping people out and uh, so lots of the staff um, really look to them for different things but they do a lot and Matt's not the kind of guy who will he'd be just as satisfied if you didn't know about him at all um, but that's them and then there's me uh, so my title I guess is <coughs> program director so it's director Maintenance grounds director, I'm the program director. So basically, um, anything that happens during an event, so a week of camp, whatever, event, retreat, so on and so forth, um, I decide what goes on, I plan it, 
have to make sure it happens, make sure people know that they need to make sure something happens, which is really exciting sometimes. And um, yeah, that's what I do. And then run the week and uh, off-season maintenance and things like that and so on and so forth. So a little bit about the facility, I guess. That's the cabins, which are awesome. They built these pretty much, uh, I think the third year they were on the property, they, they built these. And uh, each of these cabins was paid for by an individual or individuals. Um, so God totally paid for all these buildings through just different people. Um, and they're not necessarily cheap either. Uh, but they really give us the capacity <clears throat> that we have now. So in a week, we can take upwards of 80. 80, 80 stretching. If we have 80 campers, not including staff, but if we have 80 campers, we're maxed out, stressed out, tired out, and ready to run away and go home. But we can, we can house about 80, um, and these cabins give us the ability to do that. Ideally, a week is uh, 50s. 50s is ideal. It's a good ratio to, of, of staff to campers and the attention that's needed there. But there's the outside. There's the insides. Um, so they're very nice. Matt built all those bunk beds and, and different things, so he's, he's really good that way. Um, but we're thankful for those. And again, those give us the capacity. And they were, I guess when they were uh, originally building them, they said, well, what size do we do, and this and that. And there's, Pennsylvania is big on permits, and it's terrible. You've got to have a permit to pull worms out of your garden. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, but these worked out, that just, to the, just even just the size and locations of the buildings worked out perfectly for what we need now. And they didn't know that then, but... Um, God definitely helped them along in that. So there's, there's the inside. This is um, where all the food comes out of. And uh, we'll get to the bigger picture here in a minute. But this is what we affectionately refer to as the kitchen trailer. And it gets about 100 to 120 degrees in there in the summer. Uh, it's not necessarily fun. But um, all the food comes out of there. That trailer was given to them. Uh, in its day, it's $80,000. Uh, for the trailer, the whole setup, that it was just given to them, uh, and we've used it, they've used it for 10 years. Um, so that's a blessing, and uh, there's bigger and grander plans to move all these different things you're seeing here, minus the cabins, into one central building, but that's the food trailer. Um, pretty intense in there sometimes. Uh, so we're, thank we're thankful for the ones, the folks we do get to come and help. And um, Mrs. Fry, like I said, runs the runs the kitchen. She runs all that. She is, she's up there, right up there, with Mr. Fry. Uh, she really had some struggles this last year, just keeping up, and um, she keeled over a couple times. And uh, but she just gets up and keeps going. Uh, so she's pretty tough. But um, some, it, it seems as if at this point that the right folks are coming along to help her out, and uh, so we're, we're thankful for that. But that's two or three full-time jobs all at once. So there's, there's where the food comes from, and there's where we eat it all. This is outside, any weather, any time. It's pretty nice. It's, it's like a, it's a pavilion tent, event tent sort of thing that we anchored in the ground. Um, it's pretty nice when it's sunny outside and a nice light breeze blowing through, but when it's raining sideways um, and plates go flying everywhere, it's really exciting. Uh, just creates a different atmosphere every day. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, but that's, that's where we eat now. Um, and this all ties into why we sort of shut down during the winter, uh, just because we don't have the facilities to, nobody wants to come and eat when it's 10 degrees outside. I don't know why, I'll, I'll eat any time, but <laughs> um, that's where the meals happen, and meals are an event in and of themselves. Some of the, the clips you saw in the video of just different goofiness, that's just different things that happen at meals for different reasons. And this is where we meet for uh, services and sessions and chapels and things like that. Uh, we call this the shed, because that's what it is. It's a uh, two-bay pole building, basically. There's an attic upstairs for storage and things like that. Um, but this was the, one of the first buildings they put up with the idea that, yep, we're going to store all the equipment down here and all that. 
and we've been using it for 10 years. So um, we can fit about 100 people in there if you sit like this close and so on and so forth. And it gets hot and cold, but that's okay. And that's what we use. This is a picture of, this would be a Saturday morning rally when sponsors and parents and things are coming back to pick them up. And we set chairs out in the back. And if we run out of chairs, we set stumps out. And if we run out of stumps and chairs, I guess we know that's never happened because we have lots of stumps. But anyway, that's where we meet. That's where all the, the preaching happens, with the exception of uh, something that's called director's hour, which is either myself or Mr. Fry will do a more of a practical object lesson type thing, just take them somewhere and do something with that, which is it's pretty effective. You can, you can quiz kids on those that have been coming for years and years and years and say, OK, so who can tell me a, a director's hour from 2018? They all know them. They all remember. They might not necessarily remember the application, but they remember the illustration. So that's something we've, or he's maintained doing. That's a little screenshot of some different things. Um, and this is, this is sort of playing into the bigger picture. So right now, we really start up in May, middle of May. Uh, some people start showing up and helping to uh, get things out from winter storage and set things up, which takes two or three days, and <clears throat> clean the place up, clean the cabins out, unwinterize everything. Um, and then the beginning of June, is the beginning of staff training, which is two weeks. And uh, we'll have anywhere from 20 to 30 staff any given year, sometimes 35, all in all. Some of them rotate through different weeks, uh, depending on their position and age and so forth. Uh, but 20 to 35 staff. Uh, getting counselors is always a struggle, just because uh, even if they're qualified, so far as, as safety and technical and legal things is concerned, um, we don't just take anybody. Um, so we, he, he turns down quite a few people every year. Um, usually, we've got about a month before camp starts, and we're short a couple people. Uh, so we say, OK, where are they going to come from? Uh, but God always gives them, always delivers them. Um, and we have, we've had some, some pretty good staff, with the exception of me. <laughs> um, but there's at least six who we call senior counselors who are <clears throat> someone who's graduated high school, preferably college age 20, 21, 22, and up. Um, those are senior counselors. Um, for the junior weeks, uh, we bring on who we call junior counselors, which is a high school age, older high school age, to assist the senior counselor with his 10 or 12 screeching terrorists that he has for the week. Um, so they'll come in for those junior weeks. And there's uh, who we call operational staff. That would be people uh, helping me, helping Matt, uh, just with different, the week-to-week -week maintenance stuff, landscaping stuff, just keeping up with things. When the toilet overflows and runs down the porch, they do that sort of thing. Just all that stuff that, that happens all week, and then setting up, tearing down, things like that, uh, that I find myself doing. So we'll have two or three who we call operational staff, and then kitchen staff is usually six six people total. Some of them will rotate through, like I said, but two or three that, are, that will be there solid the whole summer, and then three, two, three, four, sometimes five more that will rotate through just different weeks. Uh, so we deal with a lot of staff right at the beginning of the year. That's staff training. We have them for two weeks. Uh, a lot goes into staff training. Uh, so we spend a lot of time on that. And uh, we have had to weed some people out during staff training, like, you know what, you're not going to you're not going to work. We're going to have to send you home. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, but it does. Uh, most of them come back and tell us, yeah, staff training was awesome just because of the emphasis. Um, I remember staff training as being just a really uh, a very spiritually beneficial time because here you're getting ready to spend your whole, the next two months, giving of yourself, ministering to, serving people. And when you know that's ahead of you, the little things you're holding on to, the little petty things you have with people, those things begin to look very, very small and minuscule. And when the, the preaching comes into play and things like that, you realize that if I'm going to be who God wants me to be, if I'm going to serve like I need to, these things have to go. <clears throat> so it's, it's just a very, it's kind of a different time. Again, you'd have to come experience it, but um, even, even that there is pretty beneficial. 
So then after uh, staff training, there's uh, 14 camps through the summer, and uh, I guess this next year we're going to three junior camps, two, two of what we call family camp, which is half a week, and some other miscellaneous retreats built in. But that's the summer. That's kind of a, a glimpse of the summer. After the summer, there's some retreats in August, some retreats in September, uh, but then the property kind of shuts down because of uh, the cabins are great. We could run those in the winter if we had to. Um, <clears throat> but the rest of the facilities aren't really practical for the wintertime. We do have some winter retreats that we run, uh, but we rent a property, another camp, uh, with some, some central buildings. It's about two hours away up north in Williamsport area, but uh, we rent that for our winter facilities. Uh, but the goal is to be able to run year-round, both with our own events and with um, church groups coming in. Lots of times a church group will have a, um, their, own, their own men's retreat or ladies' retreat or um, an emphasis on this or that, and they'll go to a property, um, rent their facility, supply their own, their, own, their own necessities and things like that, but they'll, they'll rent a property and use that property. Um, we're in an ideal location for that. Um, there's lots of, of churches that will come during the summer and different things, but don't have a place to do that sort of thing. So that's, that's one of the other goals that goes into the off-season. But um, this, is, this is sort of Jim's vision, and this is, these are some drawings that a gentleman made up for us. Uh, he does this sort of thing for a living. Uh, but this is kind of the building that, that um, like I said, is, is uh, Mr. Fry's vision that, that we're working toward now. And this would house um, everything, minus the cabins, kitchens in there, uh, that's kind of a hypothetical, theoretical look from the outside during the winter, I guess. <laughs> There's the other side. Uh, inside auditorium, as opposed to the shed. And this would be the, the dining area with some rooms off to the side, off to each side. Another angle, that same room. Uh, this would be downstairs some different areas, hypothetical. So we're working toward this building, which would really open things up. Um, right now, me and uh, Matt can afford to uh, work at camp less during the off season and then work more uh, for support. Like I said, Matt has that business <clears throat> that he runs, which God is really blessed, by the way, uh, and blessed him for doing that. Uh, but he runs that business in the off season, just puts it in park for three months and jumps back in, and I've been working with him. Uh, when he has the work, um, but like I said, the camp generally generally kind of shuts down. We'll do about 10 to 20 hours a week, um, usually in the off season, still at the property and projects and different things. But the goal is to have outside folks there all the time, so we're, we're using the property to the full potential. Um, and then this is just a picture that somebody took a while ago. This is from across the lake, looking at the kind of the central central area there but so there's a from the video and the slides there's a, a brief little glimpse um, of what it is but I'd like to kind of try to tell you what's the what's the purpose what's the vision what's the the goal why the name things like that so the servants heart camp uh, he chose that name and Ephesians 6 6 is the verse which is uh, servants of Christ doing the will of God I'm sorry, not, as I, not with eye service as, men's, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And um, that burden came from uh, his work in youth ministry especially, but um, seeing the, the attitude and, and the, uh, even the apathy <clears throat> of folks just, um, just living life, um, coming to church, being, being the good American church family, but not, not with a love for the Lord and a desire to serve and to do what he'd have them to do. Uh, and he wanted to create a place, or to facilitate a place, rather, where uh, folks could come and have fun, good, clean, Christian fun. And yes, we do have lots of fun. Um, in a safe environment that's separated from the world, and, and uh, you know you can let your kids come there and they're not going to be... Uh, harmed and your family can come there and have a good time and not have to worry about this and that. And so we wanted to create that for sure, but also an, an avenue and a uh, place to set the stage for 
um, God to work in that way, for people to be challenged to say, hey, your life's not your own. Are you a servant of Christ? Are you doing the will of God from the heart, or are you floating as a man pleases? That's, that's, that was kind of his, his thought and his vision. Um, so that's what we try to do. And uh, most camps would tell you that. Um, why we do some of the things we do ultimately comes around to creating a creating an environment. I like to say setting the stage for um, the preaching of God's word, really, in an environment where um, teenagers especially, but younger kids, families, will be willing and comfortable to make the decisions that need to be made. And that might be a little confusing. Um, and I always kind of took this for granted growing up in the home that I did. I'm sure a lot of you would as well, but um, I talked with the pastor about this a little bit yesterday, but um, what I have found anyway, <clears throat> as I've been there in, in different camps and so forth, is most uh, teenagers especially in good, solid churches do not have a good relationship with either one or both of their parents. They don't have a good relationship with God. Um, they kind of float on the surface of whoever it is they need to be. So performance-based acceptance, basically. Uh, depending on the type of church they come from, they might be in a big youth group, a little one, might have nobody, might be a church of 500, might be a church of five. Um, but the average teenager that we deal with that comes to the camp, some of them are, some of them are blatant, open about their sin. They don't care. They're there to have fun, which it is fun. That's great. I want them to come and have fun, but they're there just because it's the thing to do. Others are kind of floating under the surface, and, and they want you to think they're one thing when they're really another. Um, and Some of them, some of the, the issues dive deeper. But like I was saying, the average teenager doesn't have that relationship with their parents that maybe some of us do. They don't, they don't talk to their parents. If they have a problem with this or that or the other thing, there is, there is no two-way communication. There, sometimes it's the parents, really, that aren't communicating, but it is a two-way street. But they come from a place where they live a fake life, their life's full of sin, and they can't tell anybody about their sin. Maybe it's not so much a sin, but relationship issues, and, and, but there's no way, in their minds anyway, there's no real way to resolve those problems. Mostly uh, because of parents. A lot of it has to do with, with fathers that are absent. Either they're there, but they're not, or they're just totally not there. Uh, but all, all across the spectrum, you see everything. Um, and from that, brews a lot of problems and difficulties and, and problems, problems that I never had. And uh, these kids come in, and they start talking to you. as, oh, wow, that's, that's intense. But that's their everyday life. That's what they live with. And a lot of it comes from that lack of relationship with their parents, with God. They go to church because it's the thing to do. <clears throat> they perform under the grid of whatever is acceptable, and that's how they live. And so because of that, uh, they have no desire to serve the Lord. There's no love for other people. Um, I share this with pastors as well. I started this last year asking uh, the, the guys in particular, like 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, if I was, and I would say to them, if I was Joe Schmo from Kokomo and unsaved and you met me, how would you tell me how to get saved? And most of them couldn't tell me right away. And they'd look at you for a while and, and eventually they'd come around and do, well, Jesus died on the cross to, to save us from our sins and say, okay, great. But there was, no, there was only a few I, I didn't ask everybody, but only a few that right away said, and could put it down right there in a clear, concise way. So then I would ask the question to either them or different ones, have you ever, have you ever led anyone to the Lord? No. Not, I mean, hardly any. And a lot of that stems from they're so involved and busy and taken up with their own problems, which there are there, they have either no desire or no, I won't say opportunity, but no uh, help with, maybe is the word, 
to then go and do what the Lord would have them to do. Even the very basic things. They can, they can, they can, um, they can come to church and, and be the right person with whoever their church accepts. But that's as far as it goes. And so what happens is, and this is where a lot of people will say, well, why camp? What's, what's the deal? At camp, we strive to do a couple things. Number one is we put them in a totally different environment. So um, the average teenager, average, this is broad spectrum, 12 to 18, I think is what they studied, spends at least 10 hours a day on their phone, at least, usually more. So the first thing we do is we take their phones away. <laughs> um, they come in, that stuff's taken away. Anything really from, I'll call it the outside, that sounds like you're in prison, but from the outside is taken away. So instantly they're in a totally different environment. They're the things that usually are a pitfall and a downfall and a trap to them and an anchor, a drag to them are gone. Um, if they come with a larger group, say a youth group that they're used to being fake with, and maybe they know who each other are, maybe they don't, uh, we separate them. You might put two or three together in this group and that group, but they're separated. Um, and not to make them miserable or anything, but to help to set the stage to say, hey, giving them the opportunity to come out of their shell, as it were, and clear some of these, some of these things up. And then we preach at them about five times a day. And uh, there's nothing that any individual could do. To, you, could, you could put them in that environment and then sit them down and lecture them and say, you know, hey, you need to get this straightened out. And one or two might say, yeah, you're right, and I'm miserable, so I'll do it. But most of them, I mean, wouldn't. So we create an environment like that where they're having a blast, and when you're having fun with, with people, you're out doing crazy things with people, enjoying yourself with people, especially their counselor, who again, they're, they're very well chosen. Um, there's, there's a connection and a friendship that's hopefully and usually created between the counselor and the campers to where the camper will feel safe and feel comfortable in talking about these problems and sin when, they, when they're convicted to with their, their counselor that they would never dream of telling their parents about they couldn't tell their pastor about because then they would, their fakeness would be exposed. They just wouldn't tell anybody. But now here's a person they just met, but yet they know they can trust and that they know cares about them and wants the best for them. And they're willing, when the Spirit of God prompts, they're willing to go back and then tell them, hey, I've got this problem. Or yes, I've done this. Or I have this relationship that's an issue. And this is everything from... Uh, I don't want it to sound like a small thing, but everything from disrespected parents, which is a huge problem, to suicide. Everything. Anything you can think of, and I mean anything. This is 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, things they never tell anyone else, but the environment was created. They, they, the counselor earned their trust, and they were willing to come back and tell them about it after the Spirit of God worked through the Word of God. And that's really the difference between, say, a, a Christian camp like ours to reform places and, and uh, whatever other ministries you could think of, is it's the Word of God that does the work. It's the Spirit of God through the Word of God that's sharper than a two-edged sword and can go in and, and when they look at their life in the mirror of God's Word and God convicts, that's when the work happens. <clears throat> and our, our real purpose is simply to set the stage for that to happen. So the whole purpose of, of this and that and the other thing and, and the way the properties run and the events are run is to bring it all back to that. Is what we're doing beneficial to set the stage for God to work? And certainly God doesn't necessarily need us to be this and that and the other thing for him to work. But that's the goal, and it does happen. I've seen uh, kids come in that they're just hard, 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 and you can... Once you've seen enough of them, you can kind of tell when they get off the bus or whatever, there's our problem kid. And here's that kid, and oh boy, this is going to be a riot. Um, but who they are on Monday, who they were on Monday, is not who they are on Friday when they go home. Uh, kids getting saved, obviously. Um, but it, it happens every week where, especially a young man, will come in bound in sin, 
hardened, cares about no one or nothing, um, and God gets a hold of his heart. Sometimes it's not even a message about what he's dealing with. And he comes back and he'll talk to you and you say, where'd you get that from? That wasn't a message. But God touched his heart, God convicted him, and he was tender to what God wanted, and he leaves a different person. That's kind of what camp is about. But it's not, not just for them. And I mentioned this morning about the like 8 billion people that are on earth and the job that's not getting done because the Christians aren't getting it done, not willing to be God's, God's pieces in the puzzle, is everyone that comes in, we want them to realize that, hey, your life's not your own. And these things that the world presents to you and, and the, the way of life the world presents to you and the, 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 the big things, the little things, the trifles, they're presented to you for a reason. And some of them aren't, aren't wrong, for sure, no. But if you let those things control your life, if you're not a servant of Christ that does the will of God from the heart, that says, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll go do, be it whatever. When they don't do that, when we don't do that, those, those pieces in the puzzle aren't there. So imagine, imagine a puzzle. Some people do these like 1,000 or 1,500 or 1 million piece puzzles. I don't do those. I do the ones that are like four pieces with the little pegs on top. And uh, even then I get a hammer and just bang them in because I can't figure it out. But God has that puzzle. And that puzzle, all those pieces, imagine, imagine all those pieces were a Christian. Someone who's born again saved. God has a purpose for your life, a calling for your life, a plan for your life. He, there's a, you're the tool that he needs to do a certain job. He has something for you in your life that only you can do. And when we turn away, let the world drag us down, choose to be in sin, choose to go our own way, that piece in that puzzle doesn't go in. And that spot stays empty. And that's kind of, a, kind of a weak picture of the overall just the plan of God and the, the, the purpose of God for, for a Christian, but that's what we want them to see. When they come in, your life's not your own. What's holding you down? But then just past that week and past, past their own joy and fulfillment and satisfaction that is found in Christ and, and Christ alone, past that, how does it translate to the world? How does it translate to other people? And that's, in my mind anyway, that's the big picture behind why do we do what we do? Where does it go from you? Um, and the, the avenues of distraction and downfall for kids is obviously huge, amazing. Just anything and everything can just flush them right down the toilet. And uh, when that happens, the work doesn't get done. God's mission doesn't get accomplished through them like he wanted because they made the choice. So that's kind of the, the point, if, if it were, um, of a teen camp especially. And there's obviously different, different aspects that come into play with, with that. And uh, we have junior camps as well, which are just a riot. Um, <laughs> and family camps. A whole family will come in and we'll, we'll do different things. And, and uh, family camp's my personal favorite. But... Uh, that's the point behind a week of camp, is who are you now, and helping them to see, hey, this is the result of your sin. This is, this is the, the purpose God has for your life. Most people come in, teenagers, this is back to teenagers, most come in, like I said, with not a good relationship with their parents. <clears throat> most come in with no purpose either. And again, this is 14, 15, 16-year-olds, and 17, 18, some 19. But no purpose. Never led anyone to the Lord. They're saved, but in their mind, that's, that's fine. And these are kids in good, solid churches that preach the gospel, that preach the truth. But they don't have that. So we want to give them the opportunity to hear the word of God, to be convicted, to give them a shot in the arm. But then, as me and Pastor were talking on Saturday, um, a lot of times what happens is you've heard of the, the, uh, <clears throat> the camp decision, which is a kid comes to camp, is placed in that great environment, hears the word of God like a million times, 
and you can't help unless you are hard, 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 and they do come, you can't help but respond in some way to the Word of God and the power that's there. Well, then these kids will come home or back to their churches or wherever, and they're back in the nasty now and now, in the nitty-gritty, and it goes... The decision was real, the conviction was real, but there's some faithfulness issues, there's some dedication issues, and most of those come from absent dads, there but not their dads, unfaithful parents, and when the parents and the leadership and the churches and things is really just like the kids are, and that is kind of just there, fake, not the genuine service of Christ they should be. Um, so I say that especially for, for us here. I know I didn't grow up like that, but don't take it for granted. Um, not very many people have that as, as young people. They don't have that. So don't take it for granted. But that's uh, sort of the purpose of a week and the mission of a week. And my week uh, is anywhere from 70 to 80 hours during a teen week. I get up early and go to bed late, so I'm tired on Saturday and Sunday. But it, uh, it's worth it, and you get to see God work. Uh, not from what I do and from what they do. In fact, I'm in the way most of the time. But... Um, you get to see the Spirit of God work. You get to see, hey, that kid just left, not the same one they are. Some of them go, and uh, they come back next year, and we, we do try to keep up with a lot of them. And they stay faithful, and they get, they get people to help them and support, and maybe it's, it's making something right with their parents. Oftentimes, um, if a kid comes back, and there's this issue, something maybe they've been hiding from their parents, something that's between them and their parents, where, hey, you've sinned against God, you've sinned against your parents, if they tell us that, we'll give them the appropriate verses and scenarios and things and, and counsel them appropriately. But the first thing is you've got to tell your parents. You've got to call home. Most of them don't want to because they've never told their parents anything. Uh, but a lot of them will, and that relationship will be restored, and they'll come back the next year different people because they're willing to take that step that God had for them there. Um, but again... It oftentimes comes back to the parents and the communication and the, and the leadership there, but that's kind of the kind of the bent and the gist of a week, and uh, it certainly is. It's beneficial for the staff as well. Um, pretty much any major spiritual decision and step, and um, don't want to say improvement. That's not the word. Maybe it is. <laughs> um, that happened in my life was from not being at camp but serving at camp because <clears throat> when you're there and here's these 10 people that I'm responsible for and they're looking to me in some way um, and you're working with other people, it's pretty hard to be fake and not who you're supposed to be and not be miserable at the same time. And there are lots of weeks that I was pretty miserable. But um, God does work through the staff as well and that's, that's a blessing to see. So... I hope I'm making sense, maybe, possibly. Um, some of the things we want to do in the future, going on, well, I'm way over time. <laughs> but I went under this morning, so that's okay. Um, is to um, assist the churches more and help churches more and individuals um, in the off season with maybe training for the, the folks there. Like I said, soul winning. Most of them have no idea, <clears throat> have never done it. Um, there's three churches I can think of. I uh, know four. Four churches that come that I know that the, they involve their, their young people in soul winning or there's any kind of outreach at all. Others are just kind of, we come to church and that's about it, um, which is certainly not where a church should be. Um, so helping with that and offering, offering help in that way and just we're, we're delving into and looking into better ways to continue to support the churches that come and that are involved, uh, but also individually and personally with the different, different ones that come. 
a lot of our counselors this year have taken on six or seven individuals that are um, receptive to it and open to, to help and accountability and uh, just keeping up with them. And uh, so there's already sort of a network that has started this last year of just keeping the communication open and sticking together. And, um, but really to get the kids connected back with the parents and to, to help them in that way. Um, back, to, back to this morning, and then I'll, then I'll be done, I guess. But uh, back to this morning, I'm talking about Gideon and his lack of, he had parents that worshiped Baal and everything. There's a young man. Uh, he was actually my camper several years ago. His name's Dalton, and he's about 6'5". He's a big old guy. Most naive guy you'll ever meet. He's friends with everybody. Um, just, just kind of a dorky guy. Um, but he started, he went to public school, didn't, doesn't have very supportive parents even to this day. Everything against him. Um, really into some pretty, some pretty deep stuff when he was younger. And uh, was, he'd come to camp and do the whole, the whole camp cycle roller coaster. And he'd get something right, come charging back home. I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to do right. <laughs> Drop out. He was involved in football at his, at his high school, which then took him away from church and, and hung out with some pretty shady characters and, and different things. Uh, then he'd come back to camp. He got saved at camp. <clears throat> um, he'd come back to camp, make these decisions, want, wanting to serve God. And most young people do want to serve God. They want to do what's right. Oftentimes they don't know how, but they want to do what's right. He'd come back. He'd get some major things right. He'd, he'd call home. He'd do everything. He'd talk to his pastor, wanting to do right, wanting to do right, and one way or the other, something would fall through or somebody would fall through on him, in some cases, and back down the tubes again. And he'd do this, this roller coaster every year. And uh, the last year he came as a camper, he was my camper, and we'd been praying for him and praying for him and praying for him, and I was expecting in my mind, they told me, yeah, he's 6'5", and he's a big football player. I was expecting this big, gnarly, kind of not-so-nice nasty, big old dude. He's the friendliest guy you'll ever meet. He doesn't even know your name and he's instantly friends with you. Uh, but he came and didn't really make any decisions. And uh, he never came back for anything. His one-on-one, -on -one, which is something we do where the counselor will just a, a time with them and the counselor and if they want to tell the counselor things, they can and they'll get help with different things. Sometimes they're two minutes, sometimes they're two hours. Um, but I had his one-on-one, -on -one, nothing. We call it a dead, a dead beat or a the usual, asking questions like, so hey, how's, how's your home life? Fine, good, yeah, 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 nothing. And I was getting pretty like, ah, oh, this is terrible. And end of the week comes, he came back for like, he'd come back and say, well, I just need to, the typical one is, I just need to do my devotions more, which is oftentimes, they're really convicted about something else, but they still don't know how to tell you about the real problem, and so they come back and tell you that. And you ask them, so what else is there? Okay, and then they'll tell you. And he, he never, he didn't break on anything. He didn't admit to these problems like that he told me about and things that were in his life that were wrong, like dead wrong. Didn't think they were wrong. Just didn't get anywhere that year. Other years he'd made huge leaps and bounds and, and that year, nothing. <laughs> well, come to find out, he goes home and not at camp there, but at home, God just worked in his life, just broke him. Um, and he tells the testimony of he remembers sitting in his room and thinking about the things he'd heard at camp and thinking about the messages. And he was sitting in his room and he grabbed the side of his chair and he just sat there for hours, just looking at the floor and staring, saying, Am I gonna am I gonna follow God? Am I gonna do what God wants me to do? Am I going to get rid of sin? Am I gonna going to be God's servant? Or am I gonna be who I want to be? Am I, going to, am I going to continue the way I'm living now? And he sat like there for hours just thinking about that and, and mulling over the things that, that he'd heard in the preaching and, and so forth. And ultimately he decided, I'm going to follow God. And I'm going to give it to God and, and do what God would want me to do. And right now, he counsels me more than I counsel him. And uh, God's just working his life and using him. Um, and that's just one of the many stories of, of the people that have come to the camp. And, and again, not because of our program and 
our games and our food and our fun and not because of the property or whatever, uh, but because of the power of the Word of God working in someone's heart and changing them. And that's what we want to continue to set up and to use and to, to uh, set the stage for, is for those walls to come down and people to, to be put in the place where they can hear the Word of God like they've, they don't hear. Most of them hear it for 20 minutes on Sunday if they happen to be listening that long. But to give them that opportunity so the Word of, word of God can work through the Spirit of God and, and, and change their life if they're willing. So that's kind of the babylation of the, uh, the, the vision and the, the drive behind why we do what we do. So that was a lot of babbling and blah, blah, blah. Didn't really think about what I was going to say, but I said it. So um, that's that, I guess. Anybody have any questions about anything? Or Yes. Fossey Poo. I came on full-time last August, so just a year. And a lot of that came about by uh, Mr. Fry not being able to, uh, he, he did a lot of the maintenance and the outdoor stuff, um, keeping up with the property, which is really a full-time job. He's not able to do that anymore. Um, he, would, he would design every week and, and the structure of every week and, and run all that. He can't do that anymore, so I'm, I've taken over that side. But that was a year ago. Yes, I was, uh, I was out there for three summers before. I counseled for two summers, and I did operations work with Matt and program stuff. Uh, it would have been 2021. Summer of 2021. Yes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> There's another camp that I've worked at and we're kind of working with. Um, their, their director also had cancer. He's passed away. Um, that's uh, Wildwood in West Virginia. They run two weeks out of summer. Um, but we continue to support them and, and run back and forth and help them as well. So, anyway. Anything else? Everybody's asleep because I just babbled on. Blah. <coughs> okay. Um, yeah. Is there a set goal for is there money set aside for starting for the building? Yes, the money. I don't usually talk about the money too much. So it's about, when we started, it was a $2.2 million project for the infrastructure, the building, replacing a bunch of stuff. Now it's turned into a $3 million project because of inflation and so forth. Um, but in the last year, it's about 520,000 has come in, which for an undeveloped camp like that is huge, just tons of money. Uh, but that, that much is set aside at this point. I think the plan is once there, the money is there to put everything under roof. Then we'll do that stage, and then when the funds come in for the interior and things, that will happen. Uh, there's obviously different, different points of view when that's concerned. <clears throat> Some would say, when you have it all, do it. And um, <clears throat> others would say, when you have enough for, for the, the site and the dirt work and the concrete, do that. And then, but I think the plan is now when it when it's, can be put under roof, which is over a million, but that's the plan. That's a lot of money. But God's pretty rich, so when he wants us to have it, we'll have it. Good. Anybody else? And then I'll go away. I just wanted to say how young at heart day means to us. Um, the kids come to our cabin about 7.30 in the morning, and they're singing, and they're carrying a flag, and they sang to us, there's sunshine in my soul today. You know that song? And so I tell Ben every once in a while when I text him to keep the sunshine in his soul because it's meant so much to me. That's grandma, by the way. <laughs> She's talking about Young at Heart Day, which is a senior saints retreat, affectionately termed as Senile Saints Day. <laughs> but <laughs> that would not include you, Granny. 
So, yes. Program for the senile <laughs> <laughs> uh, Some of it, some of it. Um, some of those retreats. So, senile saints, young at heart day. I should call it young at heart day. And um, there's a couple of different ladies events that happen. Uh, Jim and Pat still do most of those, <clears throat> but a lot of the work gets delegated to me. I do family camps. And if there's nothing else, we'll, I guess, pray, and then I guess, Pastor, you can close however. Okay. Well, thanks for letting me come. It's good to be back every once in a while and uh, putting up with all my babbling and things. Uh, but the biggest thing, really, is uh, to pray for us, obviously. Um, we've seen that work even this summer, time and time again. Pray for this specific thing, for this specific person happen the next day and uh, just pretty neat to watch God work through that way uh, but there are needs specifically I'd say the biggest one is with uh, the Fry's and, and uh, Mr. Fry's health and the, the, he's starting to look for someone to transition into his role uh, so that's <clears throat> turning into a bigger thing every month and, and the need for that so if you'd remember to pray for that that would be especially good but uh, Pastor I guess if you want to close